Hey kids, can you guess what time it is? Movie time. Time to eat. I see a Bible and a donut. Yay! Devotions. That's right. Let's learn about God and spend some time in His Word. Welcome kids to Donuts and Devos, where God sprinkles His love on us and feeds our faith. Jesus will lead us and teach us. He will lead us to peace. We are the children that He loves. Jesus. Hi there, and welcome back to Donuts and Devos. I'm Mary Faith, and wait a minute. Do you know what this is? This is our hundredth episode. Wow, a hundred? A hundred. That is right. Through God's faithfulness, and of course, our amazing listeners out there, we've been producing devotions for kids and families and churches and schools, I guess, now for over two and a half years. And to celebrate, we're going to have a very special devotion. Well, actually, a very special two-part devotion. This is going to be a Q&A session. That is a question and answer session with Pastor Glaze, where he's going to answer some questions that have been submitted by our young listeners. But you know what? What? You guys are going to get the chance to answer first. Oh yeah, this is gonna be fun! I can't wait. I can't wait either. Let's go ahead and begin with our prayer, and then tackle those questions. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Kids have questions all the time, don't you guys? Yes. yes, we have lots to learn. Of course, I mean we all do, and you are never too old to stop asking questions. And when we were thinking about what we could do to make this 100th episode special and memorable, one of our listeners' moms gave us this idea to have kids ask questions, so we, well, we and Pastor Glaze could answer those questions. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to answer questions that kids have had and have submitted, and you kids are going to see if you know the answer before Pastor Glaze gives us his input. Are you ready? Yeah. I can barely wait. Well, let's get to our first question then. I like this one. This is from Caroline, age seven, and she asks, 
Were dinosaurs around when Adam and Eve were alive? What do you kids think? Were dinosaurs alive with Adam and Eve? Yes, I think so because God created everything. What about you? Do you think I? Do you think dinosaurs were alive with Adam and Eve? That's a really hard question. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Why do you think so? Yes, because God created everything, but I think they're. Yeah, they're all dead right now. <laughs> the dinosaurs, yes, they did go extinct. So let's turn it over to Pastor Glaze. Pastor Glaze, were there dinosaurs when Adam and Eve were alive? Dinosaurs? Oh man, what a great question! Thank you, Caroline. To start us off with that one. The short answer is, well, yes, there were dinosaurs when Adam and Eve were alive. God created everything, and dinosaurs. He created them when he created the beasts of the land on day six of creation. He created all things, and as we explore God's creation, we're finding、uh, fossils—fossils of large creatures that roamed the earth—and these creatures have been called dinosaurs. Now, think about creation. They were all vegetarians to begin with because there was no death, so they didn't eat meat. And if they were vegetarians, they could eat with. They could live with human beings without fear, so Adam and Eve didn't have to be scared of dinosaurs. They even got close enough to dinosaurs to give them names because Adam had to name all the creatures of the earth. When sin came into the world, all the animals began to fear man, and man feared many of the animals, dinosaurs being one of the big ones. As man moved away and lived, built towns and cities, they would have moved to places where dinosaurs weren't, and the dinosaurs also would have moved elsewhere in the world. Many hundreds of years later, don't forget about the flood that covered the earth, and that flood would have wiped out many of the dinosaurs into extinction. But some of the dinosaurs were saved on Noah's Ark, the smaller ones, perhaps. Eventually, dinosaurs died out and became extinct, much like still happens to some animals today. Dinosaurs are fun to explore and learn about as creatures that God made. Thank you, Caroline, for asking that great question. Dinosaurs really are fun to learn about. I know our kids here love our dinosaur books, and thoroughly enjoy looking at all the different species of dinosaurs that did once exist. Now, the music that we're going to play in between each of our questions may seem familiar. You just might recognize them as some past memory verses that we've sung. We're going to use these verses as a way of reminding our listeners where we're at in the Bible. We finished up Joshua and are just starting on Judges as we enter the next hundred episodes of Donuts and Devos. The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest, and will give you this land. The Lord your Right, it's time to tackle question number two. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you guys think the answer to this question is. Daniel eight four asks, "What happened to the fruit on the tree of knowledge? Did it go away?" Well, now that's an interesting question. I don't think I've ever actually thought about that before. What do you kids think? Maybe because it was God's tree, and He told them. Adam and Eve not to eat from it.、Mm-hmm. He might have taken it into heaven with him, so then nobody else eats from it and turns all deceived. Well, there's a thought. What do you think? 
the fruit on the tree of knowledge. Did I, it go away? I think it stayed where it was supposed to be, outside of the promised land. And I think that the worms ate it. Well, you know, there were worms. I'm assuming in the Garden of Eden because God created everything, and the worms were with Adam and Eve. Very, very good thought,、uh, Pastor Glaze. You want to give this question a shot? Hmm, Daniel, you're really thinking about those special trees in the garden, aren't you? And you kids gave two different responses. One of you said the tree stayed in the garden, and another of you said it was taken away. Well, remember the two trees, right? The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, I don't think that went away right away after the fall into sin. It was part of God's creation, so it stayed there in the garden. But no one else was ever able to go into the Garden of Eden ever again after Adam and Eve ate of that fruit. Remember, in the Garden of Eden, they could eat of anything they wanted to, except for the fruit of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was God's tree. He wanted Adam and Eve to know they didn't have to worry about knowing good and evil. He would be the judge of that. They only needed to listen to him. But when they ate the fruit from that tree, everything changed because sin came into the world. Adam and Eve could never live in the Garden of Eden again. When God ushered them out, assuring them of His love and protection and salvation, do you remember what happened? He put an angel at the gate so they could not return into the garden. So Adam and Eve didn't want to eat any more from that tree anyway. Though I'm sure that if they were still in the garden, they would have stayed away from it. They wanted to eat from the tree of life. That would not have been good if they did that. God protected them from the evil that would have come from that eating. As for that tree, the knowledge of good and evil, I like that idea about worms. What eventually happens to everything after a long period of time? After all, it withers up and it dies. That's eventually what would have happened to that tree too. It's fascinating to think of the Garden of Eden as an actual place here on Earth, and of course. Like Pastor Glaze said, no one has ever been in that Garden of Eden again since Adam and Eve were asked to leave. Our life for yours, even to death. Then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Our life for yours, even to death. Then when the Lord gives us the Our next question comes from Theo, who is five years old, and it is quite appropriate as we have just come out of the Christmas and Epiphany season. He wants to know when Jesus was born. Was it on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? What do you kids think? Well, sometimes I hear that people say that he was born on Christmas Day and Christmas Eve. I've once actually read in the Bible. That Christmas Day and Christmas Eve are just memories of him. He was actually born sometime later in the season. Well, I don't think it references Christmas Eve or Christmas Day in the Bible, but I can see where you're going. What about you? So, in it was in Christmas Eve because if you have watched the movie The Star, then it would show you that. When it was almost at the end, when Jesus was coming out, then it um, all the homes were filled because it was Christmas Eve, and then 
the baby Jesus came out on Christmas Eve. Oh, okay. I guess we're going off on the chronological time of the movie The Star. Pastor Glaze, how does that match up with the actual time that Jesus was born? All right, guys, let's have a little bit of discussion about this here. Theo, thank you very much for bringing up this question because it's one that needs to be talked about and answered. So, Christmas, it's all about Jesus, born for us. Thanks be to God. Now, in Luke, we hear about Mary giving birth to Jesus in Bethlehem, and she laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And then Luke immediately tells us about the shepherds in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night and the angels appearing to them, announcing Jesus' birth and singing that glorious hymn, Glory to God in the Highest. The shepherds then run to the manger and they celebrate the birth of Jesus. While Jesus may have been born at nighttime, it's Christmas Day we celebrate his birth. Christmas Eve, then, is the day and the night before the big birthday celebration. It's a time to prepare to celebrate Jesus' birthday the next day. Let's, let's think of it this way, guys. Here's an example. Let's say that Mary Faith's birthday was tomorrow. What would we be doing today? We'd be baking a cake. We'd be wrapping presents, decorating the house, and so forth and so on. While we're doing these things, we'd be talking all about her birthday. This is how we think of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Christmas Eve is the day to make preparations for the big celebration of Jesus' birth on Christmas Day. At church on Christmas Eve, we do hear the Christmas story, his birth and the shepherds and the angels. Christmas Day in the church, though, is the greater celebration of Jesus' birthday. On Christmas Day, many people celebrate by giving and receiving gifts. This is a reminder that God gives the world the best gift on Christmas— Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior, to save us from our sin. So, while the star is in the sky, the wise men follow the star, and the, the movie The Star is all great and stuff, and Jesus was probably born at night, it is still Christmas Day we celebrate his birthday. Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas Day, is the day of preparation to celebrate the greatest gift that God has given to us, Jesus Christ. Thanks, Theo. Great question. We definitely had to cover this one, didn't we? And that's a great clarification on the day that we celebrate his birthday, Jesus' birthday. But what about the actual day he was born, Pastor Glaze? He wasn't born on December 25th, was he? Oh, oh, is that maybe what he means? Okay, a different take on this question. Gotcha. No, he wasn't born on December 25th. Jesus was born, yeah, more in the springtime is what we can determine. Okay. But we celebrated December 25th so that we have uniformity throughout the church year and throughout the world so that all Christians can take that day, marking the day of the celebration of the birth of our Savior. And we like to go to church kind of as a going to his birthday party type of celebration. <laughs> and we're the ones that get the gifts on that day too, aren't we? We are. Thanks which is, be to God. Yep. And a day that all of us look forward to immensely. But as our son said today, Christmas can actually be every day. Today, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Today, I will begin to exalt you in the 
our listeners submitted some amazing questions. And these questions got a lot more, um, well, let's just say long-winded. <laughs> no, really, they deserved some serious thought and some serious answers, which is why we asked the pastor. And it is a little well-known fact that pastors they can get a little wordy and detailed with their answers. But that's only to benefit you because this will be part A of our special 100 episode celebration. We will finish up with the rest of our questions that were submitted next week during part B. Our last question is pretty in depth and I'm curious to see what you kids think is the answer to this. This is discussing and asking about the Trinity. It's about the three persons in the Trinity. That's right, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Lorelai, age eight, asks, How is Jesus there in the Old Testament, in the Trinity, if he isn't born yet? And that is a very good question. Well, it says in the beginning of the Bible that God was before everything and that God created the earth and everything else. Now later, though, Jesus is born in the New Testament. Right. So if he's born in the New Testament, how is he part of the Trinity in the Old Testament? Because the Holy Spirit is with God and Jesus is technically God because they're all in one together. That's right. It's a little bit hard for us to comprehend, isn't it? Yes, it really is. (laughs) What do you think about the three persons in one, the Trinity? I haven't heard this question in a long time, so I don't know that this question, the answer I mean. So we're going to hand this one over to Pastor Glaze and have him explain to us about the Trinity, which I'm sure our listeners would love to know more about as well. You want me to explain to you the Trinity? Yes. Yes, we do, actually. Don't you realize that theologians throughout the centuries have never been able to explain the Trinity? Oh, man, Lorelai, you have posed a question that has just hurt the minds of theologians throughout the centuries. Truthfully, the mystery of the Trinity is one that no human being can solve. Because God is God, and we are not. And, of course, thanks be to God for that. But there is good news. We can confess about the Trinity what the Bible says. As Bible teach, as the Bible teaches, there is only one God, and He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But not three gods, only one God. I can't figure this out. You can't figure this out. Nobody can. And that is good, because that means that we are the creatures of God, and He is our Creator. So, Let's take some time to confess this. Let's tell and share a little bit of what we do know. Jesus is of the Father from eternity, as is also the Holy Spirit. God always exists. He is eternal. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's something we can't understand to begin with. God wants us to have understanding about him, though, which is why he gives us his word, the Bible. Go back to Genesis chapter 1, and also John chapter 1 speaks of this. They talk about the Word of God present at creation, and through the Word all things were made. Jesus is the Word made flesh. The Old Testament is the Word telling about the coming of the Savior. The New Testament tells us who that Savior is, Jesus, the Son of God, in human flesh. That's why Christmas is a really, really big important event and celebration, because God, the Son, who is eternal, stepped into time 
to become a man, one of us. And as Paul says in Colossians, the fullness of the deity still dwells in Jesus. And Jesus himself says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Such a mystery, but we're blessed to confess this. And of course, you're wondering, before Christmas, where was Jesus? Well, he is God with the Father and the Spirit together. Jesus himself says he always existed when in John chapter 8, he spoke, before Abraham was, I am. He says also in John 14, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Oh, I already said that, didn't I? And in Revelation, Jesus says, I am the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now, if we want to get a little specific, there are times in the Old Testament where the Lord appears to his people as one of us. Yeah, in human flesh. I, I think we learned about a couple of those times in previous Donuts and Devos. Remember the three visitors that came to Abraham? Two were angels, and the third was the Lord himself. And then when Jacob wrestled with God, those are times when God appeared in human flesh before Jesus was actually born. That's our God. He is beyond our understanding. But he graciously reveals himself to the world in his word and in Jesus Christ, that we may have salvation through him. I hope that helps a little bit, Lorelai, because, you know, as I said before, no theologian can solve this mystery of God except what God tells us about himself. And someday we'll know a lot more when we see him face to face in heaven. We can't thank you enough for all your amazing questions that you've submitted. Be sure to join us next week for part two for the rest of those questions in our special 100 episode celebration. We truly would not be here without each and every one of you listeners and without your support and most importantly, without your prayers. Thank you so much again for joining us. I'm Mary Faith and you've been listening to Donuts and Devos where we connect kids to Christ and fill them with joy and Jesus' peace. Bye kids, see you next time.